TV Channel 856 and on 92.7 and 106 FM. This is 702. Lukona Mguni joins me now on the line. Lukona, my brother, good to hear from you once again and uh, welcome back. Good evening to you and good evening to the listeners at home. I suppose there's a lot to talk about, lots to talk about. I'm sure you would have heard of the report by the health ombudsman last week. 94 people died as a result of the negligence of the Department of Health. We are hearing that in Mamilodi, one of the mortuaries there, Lukona, nine bodies that are associated with all of this have uh, been languishing there for a couple of months. We hear that in Attridgeville, 22 bodies. So that issue of 94 bodies and counting is seeming to be a reality here. You may want to comment on that because I think it is something that needs to stay on our minds as we hold the uh, health department to account, even though they've uh, now appointed a new MEC in uh, Gwen Ramukhoba. But the question that I do want to ask you is this. We heard last week that the public protector, Busim Kwebani, and, 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 I, and I'm still not convinced that that is what she was saying. But I heard a lot of people reporting that she is going to oppose President Jacob Zuma's um, application to have the state of capture report set aside. I did not understand her to be saying that. I understood her to be saying that they were going to seek public, I mean, uh, um, uh, legal opinion about that particular issue and then make a decision. What was your understanding? Uh, thanks, Robert. I mean, most certainly there, there was a misinterpretation of what the public protector had said. Yeah. Um, given how some people had reported on it at the end of last week. And I think her interview with Kola Nikola was an attempt to try and... Uh, Explain and, and I mean you played that clip just not long ago, mm. um, and and really what she had what she was saying is that as public protector she's filing papers now because she's a respondent on the matter, so she has to file papers as though opposing the application by the president. So she's a respondent uh, as cited by the president. Now, of course, then she says to us, no, she has filed opposing to, co- uh, opposing to comply with a court process, really, um, so that she's not seen as having not taken the opportunity to file, but she has not taken a position insofar as what her affidavit is going to be. So she's given notice to the court that she's going to file. Basically, I think that's all it says. She's given notice to the court that she has received the papers, and she's going to file and take a position on the matter. And then, as she was saying, she's awaiting legal opinion this week. And it is that legal opinion that will guide her insofar as her position on the matter. You'll remember that when uh, President Zuma was trying to interdict the release of uh, uh, the state of capture report, Advocate Mkulana had just arrived in office and she took the view that she should remain neutral on the matter in a way. Uh, saying that she pleads with the court to give a verdict and her office will abide by whatever decision the court says. So she was designed not to be a party to the matter, but it seems on this one, she wants to actually be a party to the matter because I think even on this one she could have taken a similar view uh, to say that as those of the public protector, uh, they will not oppose uh, the president, nor will they concur with the president, but they will support the view of the court on the matter. So I do not know what has changed in her logic? Because I I understood her position uh, in so far as 
not opposing the court interdict to say she doesn't want to seem associated and backing a report she did not author. But it's a report that her office has to own at the end of the day. But she was saying she's pleading for the guidance of the courts. But it does seem like this time around, she's going to come out quite strongly with her position in terms of talking to the court. Uh, of course, she will be mindful not to seem contradicting a public protector report. Because at the end of the day, it's not a material report versus Mkwewane's view. It's a public protector report. And so she has to own that report. Unless she has to say, look... Uh, while it was written by my predecessor, my view as the current incumbent is that it should happen in this particular way. And if the Sunday Times uh, report is anything to go by, which she disputes that it reflected correctly on her interview, um, is anything to go by, it might be that she'll say, look, she supports the remedial action by the public protector, but she's unclear in terms of, uh, she's unclear in terms of the manner in which she says the judge should be appointed, and then the court must decide. Yeah. Now, this issue is at the heart of a, 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 a legal uh, question around uh, issues of um, when you are compromised as a person, a party that has to act, so a conflict of interest. And, I mean, I remember a former Deputy Justice, uh, Chief Justice, talking about this in one forum, saying it's an open legal question. Uh, it has not really been resolved, and it might be the time now that it is resolved in terms of how do you do a fair administration of justice when there is a conflict of interest, and, 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 and how do you work around the, 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 the statutory powers that are vested in the president when he has a conflict of interest. And, and so, of course, we are back there again where we were in terms of trying to interpret this, but I think uh, this uh, process is going to give us greater clarity, and so we will not be speculating for much longer. Yeah. Allow me to just break that issue down a little bit more, Lukona, for those of us who are perhaps not well-versed with the issues there. The former public protector has put together a a report called the state of capture report in which she finds or she recommends that the president of the republic of south africa must approach the um the uh head of the constitutional court what what is his title again Uh, chief justice chief justice must approach the chief justice to appoint a an independent judge who will then set up a commission of inquiry into all of the matters that have arisen as a result of uh, her investigations and findings with regards to the issue of state capture. Am I correct? Um, well, this is, this is what the, public protect, the former public protector has been stressing. She didn't say that uh, Chief Justice Mukwen must appoint the commission. She has simply said that Chief Justice Mukwenk uh, must propose names to the president, but one name. So effectively, he chooses but doesn't appoint the commission. So the president will still appoint the commission and will still give it the terms of reference. Now, the first record for the commission, as per the remedial action of the public protector's report on the state of capture, is that that state of capture report is the first record of evidence for the work of that commission. Mm. So that is the basis, the foundation of that commission. So whatever the president might say, the state of capture report is very clear in terms of what needs to be taken to a judicial inquiry and what is what she termed phase two. So in other words, what the 
remedial action does is that it constrains the president from being seen. It constrains and protects the president in actual fact. And this is a view that has not been said. So while it, people are saying it constrains the power of the president insofar as he's not going to be able to choose anybody he wants, it also protects the president to then say whatever final report comes out, uh, if it is seen as favorable to the president, the president can then stand and say, but I did not choose this man. Mm. Uh, this is not my appointment. In actual fact, this person was appointed by the chief justice. So uh, on, one, uh, on one hand, the, 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 the remedial election could actually prove to be a, a positive point for the president. But no one wants to see that because everybody is obsessed with whether or not the president's powers are being taken away from him. Of course, which, which is, of course, the president's argument to say that it is the president's prerogative to decide who... Uh, uh, who is appointed as a commissioner in, I mean, as the head of, of such a commission, right? Most certainly the president has the prerogative to appoint, and this now becomes a semantic, uh, but in law, semantics are also important. Um, it, it's the president's prerogative to appoint, but how he then appoints, the instrumentalization of that appoint, to up, of that power to appoint is what is at question. And because the president is conflicted in this particular matter, um, how do you then handle that in a way that will give people confidence? Because really, Aubrey, at the end of the day, you want to run a process that has full public confidence backing, yeah. on it and backing. Now, of course, because it's taxpayers' money, one, that is used to fund a commission, but secondly, it is an issue of public interest that is actually being at question sure, here. Sure. So the confidence levels of the public on the commission must be very high. Now, if you, Aubrey, were to have done something wrong at work and you still had the right to appoint whomever to chair your disciplinary hearing, uh, of course, I mean, the, 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 the there would be questions. That process will be yeah. questioned. Yeah. So let, 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 me, let me bring in the the issue that is on everybody's tongues at the moment, an issue which I believe is a proxy for something else that's going on. And I hope that uh, you can help me uh, navigate through this sort of hunch that I have. The issue of the car, the uh, holding back of certain pension gratuities, uh, the so-called spat uh, or, or tensions between uh, the former and current public protector, tensions which the Office of the Public Protector has been hard at work to try to say there are no tensions. But I think anybody can see that there are tensions. I mean, if you take, hold back 500,000 rands of my pension, now, you know, there's going to be a tension issue there. But it's neither here nor there. The issue of the car, the fact that the Auditor General at some point uh, absolved, if indeed that is the case, the, um, the former public protector from direct liability uh, is becoming an issue that seems to be creating a frosty relationship between the former and the current public pr- protector. Tell me what your, th- your thinking is about what are the dynamics, the issues that um, are both overtly and covertly involved in that particular spat? Well, look, the, the problem with Mkweban is that in a hundred days in office, she has not behaved in a way that makes people trust her and in a way that makes people think that she's being genuine in how she acts. But if we were to put that aside for a moment and ask her a simple question that says, <clears throat> there has been an issue in this office and 
it has been resolved via the Auditor General's report and via another report. And the view is that uh, Tuli is not liable to pay. Fine, well and good. But I, as an incoming public protector, uh, with the view that uh, we must protect the office and its resources and the resources of the Republic, I am not well vested with these reports. I still want to go through them. However, in the interim, there is the issue of the pension payout of the outgoing public protector. So I then say, I will pay out the outgoing public protector her pension that is due. I will withhold uh, some of the pension just in case the interpretation of the Auditor General and the other report were not correct and therefore she will still have to pay. It will be much easier to recoup the money from the one that I've withheld and then the change go, then the difference goes to her. Rather than paying her out the entire sum total of the money owed to her and then trying to recover the money from her to pay into the institution and that might take even longer. So really I see this as an insurance move and also a move not to entirely punish to the which says, uh, take the money that is due to you, but let me keep some money until this matter is resolved. Now, now at a, at a, at a, at a, at a level of a prudent, uh, a, a prudent approach uh, to matters, I, I would think that is fair. So the only problem here is the character of the person acting. Um, and, and, and that is one of the biggest problems with public institutions, that public institutions are respected as, as much as the people that occupy them respect them. Yeah. So I don't think at a logical level um, Kwewana is wrong to withhold that money as long as she's not, and I must make this very clear, as long as she's not saying definitely this is what is owing and I've taken it off because she must then be able to go back and say, why is she disagreeing with the Auditor General's report and on what authority is she disagreeing with and which other authority agrees with her. But if she were taking it provisionally, as you say, no, we can still give it back to you if we see that uh, you have not paid everything. For example, Tuli, um, on one interview on TV says, um, you know, she paid half of the 50,000 rents that was excess for fixing the car mm. on behalf of her son. So which means there's a 30,000 rents that has not been paid, right? On mm. behalf of the son. So that 30,000 rents can come out of that 400 and so 50,000 that has been withheld. And if that's the only money owing, then the rest can go back to her. So I see uh, withholding some of the money as uh, the most prudent thing to do to make sure that you have greater capacity to recover monies owed to the office. Uh, but whether the nefarious uh, motives that are at play behind that, it's a yes or no thing. It's a guessing game. And, and, I, and, I, and I heard that from a public protector saying this thing that she feels that there's a particular hand in this whole matter. The question really is about bringing finality. If Nkwewane does not have clarity, there must be a process that she's willing to embark on that will give her the clarity that she needs to say that the veracity of the Auditor General's report and the other report stands. And in an absence of a process that she puts in place, then she's seeming to South Africans as being spiteful, as being vengeful, and as being driven by ulterior motives. I'm going to invite calls on uh, these matters and anything that you may believe is related remotely or very closely. I'd like to take your calls on 11 as I speak to Lukona Mguni, uh, our independent uh, political analyst. And I'm hoping that you can be part of that conversation. A lot of other things are taking place, Lukona, 
Um, and I suppose it is the political head in me that begins to look at other things that are taking place. We saw today at uh, the ANC's um, uh, uh, briefing uh, where uh, former Minister of Communications, Piwenyanda, General Piwenyanda, was giving a report of some sort and uh, there were disruptions there. We're hearing of uh, the attacks by President Jacob Zuma's children on some leaders of the ANC. We are seeing, hearing from the National Working Committee, of course, that uh, people shouldn't be speaking about the whole succession debate and uh, naming names as to whom they believe is, should be the next president of the ANC. To what extent is all of that playing out in the whole, uh, I suppose, uh, spat between the two public protectors, if indeed it can be described as such? Um. It's very difficult to... Of, of course, I mean, there is a clear understanding that the current ANC leadership, especially in caucus and parliament, um, have been very hostile to Tulima Denzel. Muslim uh, Korana seems to be receiving a different uh, sort of level of hospitality um, where that is concerned at parliament. In the broader picture... Uh, there has been, of course, you remember the Kwedamantashe press conference last week, mm. or the other week, uh, when he said, well, we want to know how come there wasn't agency to release uh, this APSA report by the former public protector, and yet there was a great deal of agency in her releasing the state of capture report. Now, in the public, this seems like a genuine question. Mm. But there are serious constraints, and, 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 and the state of capture report is it's captured in the report. Tuli says, once the complaint had come from my man as, as a complaint under the code of ethics for members of the executive, she then has a clearly prescribed time frame on how long the public protector can take to investigate matters that are placed in her, on her desk under uh, claims of a breach of a code of ethics uh, uh, for members of the executive. Now, that is a very clear distinction between these two reports. The other report, yeah, ABSA, uh, was a complaint by Advocate Hoffman. Uh, and so there, there is no time frame that is given. Now you then have to be in the position of the pu uh, public protector that's pursuing two highly comprehensive reports one on the state of capture and another one on APSA. And with the limited resources that office has, which is known to the public, and then you realize that the state of capture report had to take greater priority. And by the time it was published in October, it was long overdue than the time frame prescribed uh, in the Public Protective Act. So that is one of the first difference. But at a large political game shift, there does seem to be something to pit the former public protector against the new public protector. And it's a flimsy comparison, which means uh, it comes from a place that says the former public protector was about protecting white capital. Mm. Uh, and that's why everyone attaches this thing. I mean, I saw the ANC Women's League statement. Uh, they're always following her with the fact that uh, the chancellor at Stellenbosch, where she has been invited, is your handicap. So this continues to, to follow the, the former public protector that she had protected white monopoly capital. She had not been keen to investigate further uh, the matter of APSA, which one of the questions were, were what new information is going to come out of this investigation about APSA? The APSA thing is a long-standing thing. There was a report 
way back in 1999, 2000. The CIEX report predates a report uh, of uh, Davis, uh, Judge Davis, yes, when he was yes. appointed by Tito Mboweni to then look into the matter. So the, the, this issue is not a new thing. So why use resources to investigate it rather than go to these reports? So now there is a view that um, Kwebana is coming out uh, pro the state, uh, punishing white capital as it were. But of course, then again, we have been making a lot of noise and have been cautioning about this. We are making a lot of noise about a provisional report. Provisional reports change. Because once the public protector sees that the representations of APSA uh, could stand ground in a court of law and they take it under review, she will probably tone down uh, on a number of things uh, that were in the provisional report. So, uh, yes, there are politics involved, but I really don't think entirely it is politics. It might be politics that Busim Kweban uh, must strategically be there, as Lawrence Mushwana was in some point in history, yep. uh, to be sympathetic and protective of the executive. That might be the case. But insofar as the public spread between the two of them, uh, you'll remember, Obri, previously I've said to you, I find Muslim Kwewani very unstrategic, mm. highly, highly unstrategic. Uh, and I think that uh, feature of hers continues to live on and it's becoming a permanent feature All of right. the current public protection. We need to take a break. Luko Namguni is my guest and uh, we continue to talk about the current affairs. I'd like to take your calls, your perspective, your understanding of how we should should understand what is unfolding before us. Uh, I suppose there are questions of procedure here and legality about the whole issue of the pension. Uh, people are saying, um, or oh, Henry says, Hi, Aubrey, are employers entitled to deduct money owed to them from pension payouts? I'm not sure that public protector is allowed to deduct money from Tuli's pension, Henry. Uh, and Robert says, uh, sorry, guys, you can't hold back pension money to cover other money that might be owed, uh, says Robert. Perhaps we can have a, a different conversation uh, about that aspect of this conversation um, with other calls that might be coming through. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts about the web of uh, the web of issues. <laughs> Uh, that uh, make up for what we are talking about here. I'm really looking forward to your calls on 011-883-0702. My guest is Luko Namguni, uh, independent political analyst, analyst and uh, fellow at the Morris Webb Race Relations Unit at the University of Guazulu Natal. 702. 702. Call us on 011-883-0702. Indeed, those are the numbers to call us on on 011-883-0702 as I speak to Luko Namguni, uh, Morris Webb Race Relations Fellow at the University of Guazulu-Natal as we talk about uh, the issues of what could be called the spat between the former and the current public protector, what all of that means, how it connects to the various web of indicators and drivers of issues in the country that we see in current affairs. I'm really looking forward to your thoughts around that on 011-883-0702. And uh, perhaps uh, you can have uh, some uh, some some insight into the whole issue. Uh, on Twitter, Spiwe says, Tutugani Zuma already full of nonsense now. Uh, it would be worse if her mother takes over, Moss, says uh, Spiwe. A uh, native South African says uh, Zuma's kids have behave as if he is a king, and they have a right to look uh, the public to right to look the public kitty as a family. How sad, says this person. Rasti says, but our ops, uh, there are new kid 
kind oh there's a new kind of poacher donkey poachers they poach donkeys for their skins the donkey has become the new rhino says rusty well i suppose that's deeply philosophical uh, rust uh, and those are some of the uh, issues that are coming out on Twitter. Re, uh, remember that my Twitter handle is at 702 Aubrey. And please keep those uh, thoughts coming through on SMS 31702. And of course, on the line, I would really love to hear your thoughts about what has been discussed thus far. Your insights, your thoughts, your your conclusions as we have this conversation with uh, with Lukona Mguni. The number again is 11 and uh, of course, uh, we will be we will be continuing with that conversation. Look on. So, I suppose all of this uh, has to be tied to what may be a changing of the guard come uh, end of the year at the elective co- conference of the ANC. We saw today that as Piwanyanda was giving a report uh, or a press briefing at uh, at Lutuli House, there were two gentlemen that disrupted. Uh, that uh, particular conference or that particular press up, and uh, what 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 were the issues there in in your in your opinion? Uh, that that moment was rather disturbing uh, in actual fact, and I'm surprised that um, when well, I will wait to see, but I'm surprised that it doesn't seem as if there are journalists who have taken it upon themselves to follow up uh, what those claims were about a particular woman, Simelani. Yes, uh, that were being made by the first gentleman to disrupt the press conference. So he seemed to have been talking from a point of knowing about a death, perhaps that shouldn't have happened, but that happened uh, under circumstances uh, under the leadership of Spring And of course, he was complaining about the fact that he was commanded to return uh, home, and then he was arrested and all of this. Now, we need someone who can try and unpack what the story is. Mm. But it was a very sad moment because the man felt, I felt he was speaking with deep conviction. I do not think necessarily uh, people have served in uh, army or quasi-army ranks like MK was um, tend to be very disciplined and clear about what they wish to speak publicly. And, and, and when they voice out of frustration, they tend to voice out real news and real stories that had let me let me do this while you talk let me invite callers on that particular subject as to what really was going on there there was a name on that placard i did see it just didn't uh register to register to me to yeah all right please if you do know anything about that please give us a call what was the first gentleman um, raising he, as you say, Lukona, he seemed to have been speaking from a position of real conviction uh, and anger, I suppose, at an issue that was being raised there. Oh, the name is called Nogutula Similani, uh, Lukona. Um, uh, I'd, I'd really like to get uh, some context as to who she is, who she was, and what the gentleman that raised the issue was talking about. Yeah, uh, continue, uh, Lukona. So. So yes, uh, the, the gentleman seems to want to know. Um, yes, it is not Tulas Melani, and she has disappeared at some point. Um, now, this is going to unravel a part of our very dark uh, history. I mean, it always happened during liberation years. Uh, uh, within the ranks of liberation movements, uh, in terms of how they were functioning, <coughs> uh, also punishing each other internally. But also in terms of how the apartheid government was 
effectively trying to crib liberation movement by uh, buying some of them to be informers, uh, buying some people within the ranks of the liberation movement to be informers and so on. So the gentleman speaks of something that is known and I would love to hear as Pueni and being questioned deeply about this Noctulas Melane incident and about the gentleman and not be allowed to dismiss it. But also for us, as you are now saying, I mean, let us get the context. Who was yep. Noctulas Melane? Those people that remember. Uh, who was she? What was going on? What are, what are the circumstances uh, at the time uh, that she disappeared? Uh, here it's around the 1980s. Yes. And Swaziland so, and so forth. Eh? So all those. Yep. We, need, we need the story. All that, uh, but... There's, there's something significant that moment was communicating, basically. Mm. Um, at a basic level, the moment was saying, uh, you yourself, Nyanda, may be no better than the people that you are holding this press conference, chastising and trying to gun us aboard to paint yourself as the better ANC. You must first deal mm. with your own past and where you come from. Ah. You begin to present yourself in society as a better alternative. And I think that was the fundamental message that was being sent. And I suppose that is a message being sent to whatever faction or slate he may be perceived to support within the race for the presidency, I suppose, Lukona? Well, yes, to a large extent. I mean, um, to a large extent, some people have been saying, look, we are all pigs, we are all in the mud. Uh, Let us not try to say you've got mud on the back and mud on the belly. Uh, Either way, we we all have mud. Uh, And this has been a very central part of, of, of the ANC speak in the last five to ten years, uh, that you know what, we are all compromised. This came from Batabile Zamini at some point. Mm, she was, the so little skeletons, yeah. And she was not in an NCC meeting, but she was cautioning and saying, look, if we are going to take that route, we all have our small Anyana skeleton. Mm. And really, what this tells us is that um, within the crop of leaders that the ANC is trying to find, uh, it's not trying to find the best among the West is trying to find the lesser evil among all evil. The second and, gentleman? And, 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 and a, sorry? The second gentleman that uh, was quite adamant to say that there will be no conference, I think were his words. What was he alluding to? What was he talking about? Well, I mean, these seem to be disgruntled uh, former controversies or members, uh, disgruntled in the sense that some have become wealthy, the likes of and uh, Yes, he was a general, but he has become wealthy. He has owned companies. You'll know that even for those companies, he himself, Spreyanda, came across the ex of the public protector uh, when he was also seen as actively lobbying for for Gama uh, to be CEO of, 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 of uh, Transnet, I think, at a time... Uh, when Gamma was seen as close to him, but also people were seen to be having companies that are doing uh, work with the state, and he was compromised. And that subsequently led uh, to his dismissal as Minister of Communications, in a way. Uh, but what, 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 what some uh, MK veterans are saying is that uh, we, we, we fought for this country. We are not even receiving the basic support from the government. Our kids, um, and there is a policy to support uh, former uh, struggle veterans and and also uh, their children and their families, but now they are saying they are not benefiting any fruits. So why must they then be used by those who have benefited uh, to fill up a hall and hold a conference? So I thought 
that moment of protesting to a conference was not necessarily to say they disagree with the sentiments that are being communicated about an eroding moral fiber in the leadership of the ANC and all these things, but they were subsequently saying we are not going to be used uh, for a noble cause by people who are not noble. Mm. Uh, a quick, uh, quick, quickly comment on the issue of uh, Tudugani Zuma, the daughter of the president, uh, allegedly attacking certain leaders, um, and perhaps how that plays into all of these issues. And by the way, I'm, I'm still calling for those of you who understand and know the story of Nogutula Similani and how that played out in uh, today's presser at uh, Lutuli House. I, I really would like to hear from those of you who do know about this. But very quickly, Lukona, your thoughts about the uh, so-called uh, attacks by Tutugani Zuma on certain leaders, Gwede Mandashi and so forth. Uh, well, of course, I mean, we might be entering politics of dynasty. I uh, also remember that she's the daughter of Nkosaza. Mm. Uh, and then this is very important. So her, her entering the debate is not only to protect Zuma, but it's also to endorse Mama. Insert herself uh, in the coming campaign of Mama, uh, and she's able to speak now quite clearly on AMC matters because she left her chief of staff position yes. uh, in the Department of Postal Services and, and so on, and she's said to be running a company in the oil industry. <laughs> Now, 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 of course, she's inserting herself with the interest that Umama must take over. Now, the, the unstrategic part of that is she begins to give weight to the claims that you can't separate the fact that Ngozaza Nagamini Zuma was married to Jacob indeed, Zuma. Indeed. And therefore, this linkage is, is important in considering the succession debate. Look on. People have been saying that is not an important part, but clearly Tudugile entering uh, is starting to make it important. Look on, as always, it's always great talking to you, sir, and thank you very much for giving some light, some, some clarity as to how all of these issues are playing out. I thank you very much for joining us here on Late Night Talk. Always a pleasure. Much appreciated. Good night to you. Lukona Mguni, um, political analyst uh, and fellow at the Morris Webb Race Relations Unit at University of Guazulu-Natal.